You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show, now available on the Umoja app. I'm your host, Imran Daramsi, uh, and on this weekly talk show, we invite professionals, teenagers, and community organizations to take us through their journeys and give us advice. And remember, if you have any questions for our panelists, you can always leave them in the live comments, and we'll get to them during the show. Um, and before we start, we wanted to mention a bit about the Inspire platform. Um, it is a question and answer platform for career advice in our Shia community. So as a rising professional, you can ask for great advice from uh, other professionals. And as a mentor, you can give advice to our community's future professionals and current students. Uh, and that's available via the Umoja app on Android and iOS. Today's speaker is Kumail Raza, a junior at NYU studying finance and data science. At NYU, Kumail is the first Shia president of the Muslim Students Association, which is one of the largest in the country. Um, he's also involved with some of the business-related clubs on campus, including the Finance Society, um, and he plans on entering investment banking after graduation. He's also passionate about bridging the financial literacy gap uh, within the Shia community in North America. So we will definitely hear more about all of those um, aspects of his journey. So let's... Welcome, Brother Kumail. Assalamu alaikum, Brother Kumail. Thank you so much for joining us. Walaikum salam. How are you doing? I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you. Um, so I guess the first thing, if you could start with just a quick introduction to yourself. I mean, I know there is a lot that about you that um, I covered in the bio, so we'll touch on all of that. But maybe just a quick introduction to like you and what you're studying and what you want to do in the future. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you touched on a little bit of it, but my name is Kumail. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a junior at NYU studying finance and data science. Um, you know, I guess a little bit about me, uh, like kind of my background and my journey. Um, you know, I come from New Jersey. I grew up in the Mefile Shai Khorasan community. Um, you know, I had a really strong network there and um, just a really great support system growing up in that community. Um, I come from a family of doctors, actually. So, you know, I always thought that I wanted to go into medicine when I grew up and become a doctor. And I was in this uh, health program in high school and I quickly realized mm -hmm. that that was not the thing for me. Um, you know, it just wasn't really what my interests were in line with. And so I was trying to figure out what I was interested in at, you know, I knew I was decent at math and wanted to do something related to that. So um, I decided to go into business and see what things were open to me. And so I came to NYU, they have the Stern Business School there. Um, it's one of the mm -hmm. only undergraduate business schools in the country. So, you know, it was a really great opportunity just to learn as much as I could and just get involved in a bunch of things. Um, so, you know, I got really involved in a bunch of clubs there, you know, was able to get some hands-on experience too in different internships. And I also made sure to get involved within the Muslim life as well. Um, the Muslim life mm -hmm. at NYU is really robust and has a really big community. And, you know, alhamdulillah, I was able to become the president of the MSA this year. And, you know, it's been a really great experience, although we've been online, you know, I've definitely just learned a lot and had a lot of fun, you know, being able to kind of be in charge of this community and, and put together some relevant programming. Uh, but I'm happy to, you know, dive into any parts of that that I mentioned. Yes, definitely. So um, the how about the first part, um, when you decided that um, a career in health was not for you, did you know right away that you wanted to do finance and data science um, or was it a little bit of a process? Yeah, it was definitely a process. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when I kind of realized I didn't want to go into health, I didn't know what I wanted to do. 
And it definitely took me a long time to kind of figure out, like at least a couple of years specifically, what field within business I was interested in. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I came to NYU thinking, you know, I was pretty interested in this field called actuarial science. Um, you know, it's kind of a lot of statistics dealing with a lot of insurance companies. And I thought I was interested in that. Uh, but, you know, in, in college, I quickly realized that that was not really something that I wanted to do. Um, decided to check out other things. Um, you know, I checked out consulting. They have a club on campus. Um, you know, I went to that. I did a case competition, too. And I, I quickly realized that that also wasn't something I was interested in. You know, I really liked doing things that were like very technical, but I'm also kind of grounded in, you know, working with big companies and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, consulting was a great field. It just wasn't really something that was in line with my interests. Um, so after that, I was just exploring different options. And I realized the best way to kind of figure out what I wanted to do was to actually get an internship. Um, so I interned in my freshman year in the spring and the summer. And, you know, I thought that was a great experience. It was like a small private equity firm. And, mm -hmm. you know, my boss was someone that was in finance for a long time and was able to give me a lot of advice. And because of that, I kind of realized that um, I wanted to explore investment banking and see what that was about. Um, and, you know, I did an internship for that in my sophomore fall and I really enjoyed the work and I knew I wanted to, to go back there. Um, so that's what I'm planning on doing this summer and inshallah after graduation too. Um, but when it comes to like my major, um, you know, NYU, the Stern Business School, um, their finance concentration is very strong and it gives you a really good foundation. So I knew I wanted to, to make that one of my concentrations. And then also um, the data science is something that isn't super relevant to my career specifically, but it was something that I found okay. very interesting. And, you know, I wanted to just explore that from a personal background and had the opportunity to do that. So it's kind of a long journey, but, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think it was definitely yeah, beneficial to explore all those different things. So that's like, so first health and then like two other things, and then you kind of settled on what you want to pursue. So how about like, how did you deal with the uncertainty that came with that process? Yeah, I mean, I think uncertainty is, you know, one of those things that most people and definitely myself are kind of very hesitant about. You know, when I was in mm -hmm. high school, I'd say I was probably more on the introverted side, you know, wasn't super sure or wasn't super confident about kind of exploring different options. But I think, you know, it's important to start to embrace that uncertainty. And, you know, everybody your age is still kind of trying to navigate, whether it's their professional life or just trying to navigate, you know, their place in the world. You know, everybody has uncertainty and deals with these sort of things. So, you know, I think just starting to get comfortable in that, um, the best way to do that is just putting yourself out there. Um, so, you know, I think if you give yourself as many opportunities as possible to get involved in things, so whether it's clubs or um, getting a job or an internship, I think that just puts you in a great position. And, you know, you can say that you actually took tangible efforts to uh, find out what you're interested in. So, you know, things that I did um, when I came into college, um, basically at NYU, they have like club meetings every day for different, like for the different business clubs. And in my first year, I made sure just every day I was going to like a different club. So, you know, the four days a week, I would be going to like a different club each day um, within the business school. And I think that gave me just a really like broad understanding of what like different industries do and kind of what professionals in those industries do um, and because of that like I was able to kind of see what I liked and what I didn't like and you know if I didn't put myself out there I definitely wouldn't have been able to kind of narrow down what I was interested in and you know eventually but as the months went on I kind of narrowed down the clubs that I was interested in and eventually settled on a couple that I really enjoyed um, so yeah I'd say that's the biggest thing you know just learning to grow confident by just putting yourself out there is really important and it's definitely really scary at first but I think you know the more you do it the more you get used to it and and people will always be there to help. 
I mean, everyone's kind of been in the same position and, you know, everyone, at least in my experience that I've met, as long as you're confident and show that you're, you know, willing to work hard, people are there to help you and, and support you throughout your journey. So how about um, maybe if, if you shift to high school, because I know that advice is really applicable for, for college students. How do you think that advice of putting yourself out there, trying a bunch of different things would be applicable to, for example, a high school student who's maybe trying to decide on what they want to do? Yeah, I mean, in high school, I'd say it's definitely harder from a school perspective, given that you probably don't have kind of a lot of exposure to different activities and things like that. But I think, you know, one thing about our community, and you know, at least where I grew up in um, in New Jersey, there's a lot of Shia people, you know, we regularly went to the masjid, and you'd be surprised mm -hmm. how many people, you know, in most communities kind of come from a different variety of professional backgrounds. Like there are a lot of people in business in my masjid that I didn't even know they were in business until I just started talking to them. You know, people mm -hmm. who I've seen my whole lives, I just, you know, never bothered to ask them what they do for a living. And, you know, I think if you don't have as many opportunities through school, then, you know, finding some place that you can kind of explore and talk to different people like the masjid, you know, is a really great place because people are there willing to help. You know, they probably have known you for many years. And, you know, it can be scary too talking to like an uncle that's yeah. a lot older maybe. But, you know, <laughs> I think everyone, especially in the masjid, everyone's just there to help and you know, I think mm -hmm. people are very excited to, to help out someone that's trying to navigate their way in the world. So, um, you know, as a high school student, I definitely found that was helpful. I'm asking people in the masjid and just doing like a lot of research on my own. You know, we we're, have the internet at our fingertips yeah. nowadays. You know, things can be very confusing, like especially, you know, some fields there might be some technical concepts or like you just don't understand the job. But, you know, there are definitely resources online to be able to um, kind of understand how to navigate that process. And if somebody is, you know, interested in kind of learning more about fields within business, they can definitely feel free to reach out and I can hopefully give some help in kind of explaining different options. That's great. Uh, maybe if you, if we want to just point out your email is at the bottom of the screen there. So yeah, yeah feel free. To reach out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, maybe the next thing, so we're going to definitely talk more about the masjid and the MSA and everything like that. But perhaps before that, if we could um, maybe talk a little bit about internships, because I know uh, people who don't exactly know what they want to do yet or what what major they want to, you know, pursue, um, have some trouble deciding on what they should find an internship in. So right. I don't know if you have any advice uh, about that specifically. Yeah, I mean, I can, I guess, speak from the perspective of a college student. Um, so freshman year. Uh, like you said, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I guess I had a little bit of a more narrow scope because I knew I was interested yeah. in some business field. Um, that being said, I didn't know specifically what I was interested in in business. So, you know, I think the best thing that you can do for yourself is just open up as many opportunities as possible. So mm -hmm. freshman year, I probably applied to like 70 or 80 different internships. And, you wow. know, a lot of people, yeah, they don't want to hire freshmen because, they, you know, you don't have a ton of relevant experience. You probably are just mm -hmm. taking general classes and not like a lot of specific classes yet. So I'm um, like specific to the, to the industry. So um, it's tough to like, you know, find an internship as a freshman, but like I just applied to like 70 or 80 firms, you know, definitely take advantage of your school resources. So NYU has a career center. Um, they have like an online job network. So I applied to a bunch through that. There's other job websites online. Um, and I heard back from maybe like three or four of those 70 or 80. And then I only got the offer at once. So, you know, uh -huh. like that goes to show that, you know, it's definitely not like you'll apply to two internships and you'll get one. Like you got to really <laughs> put yourself out there and be active in applying to as many as you can. 
Um, and it's honestly fine. Like if you're early on in college, even if like a month into the internship, you realize like, I don't want to do this like for the rest of my life. Like that's fine. Like at least you know that now and that's something that you can narrow down. Yeah. Um, like I remember a piece of advice that someone gave me in high school. Um, it was like as part of that health program that I mentioned, you know, I remember as a senior, they were asking me like, oh, where are you going to college? What are you planning on studying? And I told them like, oh, I'm planning on studying business. And they were a little bit like taken aback because they're like, oh, you're in this like <laughs> pre-health program. What are you doing studying business? And I yeah. was like, you know, I think like in, in a way like this program kind of showed me that I wasn't interested in health and like maybe that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Right. And they were like, you know, that's honestly great that you learned that now before it's yeah. like kind of too late. Um, so yeah. I thought that was just a, a, a good piece of advice that they gave. Like, you know, sometimes you, you can put yourself out there and do an experience and realize it's not for you. And like, maybe that's a good thing that you learned that. Um, so, you know, like I would definitely just encourage people apply to like a bunch of different industries or things that they're interested in and then see what lands and, you know, you're able to narrow it down from there, especially the earlier you start. Um, so that's one thing. A second thing is um, I went on Umrah like in my freshman year it, during winter break. And I remember making a lot of dua just, you know, when I was in Mecca and Medina, just like for some sort of clarity or direction. You know, I think that's something that you like you definitely shouldn't understate um, the importance of, mm-hmm. you know, like making dua as your direct connection to Allah. And, you know, when you when it comes from the heart and it comes from something that you like genuinely need a lot of help with, you will answer. And, you know, I found like, kind of compared to before I went on Umrah to afterwards, like my success in hearing back from some some firms, even if it was just saying no, like was a lot higher than than before. And I'd like to, you know, hopefully think that um, that dua was at least somewhat heard. Um, so I think it's a combination of both things. Like, you know, definitely put your put your full effort and your due diligence into working hard and putting yourself out there, but also keeping in mind um, kind of the spiritual aspect as well of, you know, always making sure you're turning to, to God for help. I think that's a really good um, point and also a really good way to transition to, uh, I guess, the next uh, topic that we're going to uh, cover or talk about, which is um, more of the Muslim scene at NYU. Um, so if you could maybe talk about how, like, did it factor into your decision um, of where to go to college and I guess where it went from there? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a huge factor. Um, so just for some background, um, NYU has a really large Muslim community. I think about, um, they have about 3,000 people combining undergrads and graduate students that are just Muslim. Um, so there's a lot of resources on campus for that, which is great. Um, so, you know, they have like a fully halal dining hall. Um, the Islamic Center at NYU is like uh, kind of like a university um, department. It's not like a student. Oh, wow. They have full-time staff and chaplains there. Um, they actually yeah. have a Shia chaplain there. Um, I think he was like the first ever Shia chaplain in the U.S., Sheikh Fayaz Jaffer. So, you know, it's a really great environment just for, I think, Muslim students generally, and especially for Shia students. Um, you can kind of meet like, you know, the Shia community is obviously a little bit smaller, but you can get to meet people and like just grow in your faith, like with people of your age, which is something I think is very important. Um, you know, college, I think, is for anyone just a very formative time period, um, whether, you know, you're a Muslim or not. And, you know, especially as a Muslim, it can definitely, I think, either bring you closer to your religion or kind of push you away. So um, I think that's something that should, like, never be understated, the importance of just finding a place that has a strong Muslim community that you can turn to. And, you know, especially as Shias, mm-hmm. like, we want to also find a place that will support us too. You know, like, I know a lot of people that, had gone to MSAs or colleges that just had like a very hostile or anti-Shia environment. Yeah. And, you know, that can be very discouraging for people. But, you know, I think if you do have a place and Alhamdulillah, I was able to find at NYU that I, I found my Shia voice being uplifted a lot more than it was suppressed. Um, 
you know, and that just goes to show like kind of the, the environment that's there. And there's definitely a huge factor in my decision. And I think like once I kind of heard that I got in, all these pieces started clicking from the business school to the Muslim scene. Um, and, you know, I think it was just a really great, you know, it was just a really great combination of both like being in dunya and Alhamdulillah, I found that to be able to, to be true throughout my college experience too. Yeah, that's honestly, that's incredible that you found like, with Stern is obviously like a really good school business school and also like such a big Muslim community. So yeah. Um, yeah and I know also like a lot of people don't really consider how, if there is an MSA at their college or if, if that MSA is Shia friendly before deciding. So, so yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I, I'd say like, it's, it's not going to be like, uh, at least for me, it was not like the number one choice in setting a college, mm -hmm. but I think, you know, it should definitely be high up on your list of priorities. And, you know, if you're able to find a place that does kind of support who you are and um, kind of cater to your religious needs as well, then that's amazing. And, you know, like I said, it'll only bring you closer to the religion. And you know, I think that's something that's very important in this very like turbulent time in our lives. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess if we maybe if you could talk a little bit more about your involvement with the MSA once you actually got to NYU. Um and so now you're president. So if you want to talk about how um, you started and you became president and what you're doing as president as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, when I first came to NYU, I was not super involved in the MSA. Um, you know, I mm -hmm. think my first couple months, I was just trying to establish myself and like kind of figure out what like I was interested in from like an academic perspective. And towards the end of freshman year, I started to get more involved and I found that the people were just super friendly. You know, I never felt that I was like kind of alienated for being a Shia and you know, having Sheikh Fayaz there was something that was very influential for me too, um, just being able to have that resource and support system. Um, so I, I thought that was something that that was great. You know, I, I had never really been in, uh, spent a lot of time, like just like a general mixed Muslim environment, um, like with both Shia and Sunnis and um, kind of that being like my first major experience in that and having it be so supportive was something that it's very like empowering for me. And, you know, I decided that I wanted to help kind of pave the way for other Shia students as well. Um, so I decided to apply for the board my sophomore year. And, you know, Alhamdulillah, I was able to become the treasurer. And, you know, I think that was just a great experience in just getting involved with the organization. Like as treasurer, it's one of the biggest clubs on campus. Um, like I mentioned, there's a lot of Muslim students. So we had a yeah. huge budget. And, you know, we were able to kind of put, put on like a lot of cool programming and you know, spend some money on them too. So I was like very uniquely involved in just planning and, and brainstorming a lot of events that year. And I think that that gave me like a great kind of insight into what the MSA looks like from the inside. Um, you know, and I think that was also kind of the time where I started to find my voice a little bit more as a Shia on mm -hmm. campus. Um, so before my sophomore year, there was no like permanent um, Shia position on our board, but I was, you know, one of the people along with a couple other students that I'm um, really advocated to adding like a, a Shia position on the board. Um, it's like called the Ahlul Bayt chair. I think a couple other colleges have that too now. Um, like we were definitely not the first ones to do that, but um, you know, we we're able to successfully add that position. And, you know, that's a part of our board now um, just to make sure that that Shia voice is always heard. And, you know, I was able to put on some programming in my sophomore year um, more than just like Shia 101s. Cause you know, I think those are like important when you're first starting out, but you know, you want to grow from that. Um, so like one cool event that we were able to do in my sophomore year was um it's called Making the Marginalized Mainstream. And so basically that event was, um, we had a panel of a couple of Shia students. I was on there as well. Um, and then a couple of black Muslim students. And you know we kind of just had a discussion for an hour or two 
um, just about kind of what our, our experiences have been like about, um, you know, being minorities within the Muslim community and kind of navigating that relationship with the broader community, both growing up and in college. Um, and it was one of those discussions that you just felt the energy in the room and so many people afterwards, like they came up to us and they were like, wow, I didn't know all of these things. Like, thank you for telling us. And, you know, it just found so many people to be more like inspired and attentive to um, like different needs within the Muslim community, even if it's not just Shias. Um, you know, I think that's something that when you're able to see that impact that you're having is very beautiful. Right. Um, so, you know, I wanted to take that to the next level my junior year and, you know, I decided to run for president and, you know, although we've been virtual the whole year, we've still been able to um, kind of keep that, that idea strong and, you know, um, still put on like a lot of programs that will support the community virtually. Like this year, we had a lot of, you know, incoming freshman students who never had a traditional college experience because they started during the pandemic, um, kind of turned to us and, you know, want to join our programs and things like that, which is great. Um, so, you know, we've seen like a lot of involvement from new students and, you know, decent involvement from old students as well. Um, mm -hmm. So this year, you know, we made sure just like kind of to have uh, leaned more towards like social programming this year because okay. we found those are just needs that people had during the pandemic, you know, isolated at home. They just needed to talk to people. And, you know, that was where a lot of our programming focused on this year. But um, we did have like a lot of discussions on um, different topics. Um, we had like an anti-racism training with Muslim Arc earlier in the year. Um, and some Shia specific programming we did, uh, we had like a, a big celebration for the birth of Imam Ali. Um, you know, we, we weren't able to kind of do an event similar to what we had last year, but um, mm -hmm. kind of marginalization. We just found like the, um, the retention that people have on Zoom is like a lot lower. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there are definitely challenges associated with that, but I think Alhamdulillah, it's been a great experience. And, you know, I've just found that, I think like my biggest takeaway from the MSA is just, you know, if you're, if you want, like to see a change in a certain space, then you can't really expect people who don't believe in that or, you know, aren't like from the same background as you to want to push for that, right? So if you're a Shia student right, on yeah. campus and you want, you know, your MSA to become more Shia friendly, like it's very hard to get them to do that without you being the one to go in there, like voice your opinion, um, get involved, do as many things and just be a good role model. And I think once you do that, when you do get involved, you're able to actually have like a greater impact on people. So. You know, that's one thing that I always tell to kids who are um, just looking to get involved or even if they're not at NYU, just to like increase the Shia narrative, like be the people to be fearless and go out and, you know, create these positions, go out and, you know, get people who are sympathetic to your cause and just increase your voice in the broader community. I think like, you know, you're, if you're able to just like inspire one person or, you know, um, tell one person, like kind of bring one person closer to, you know, even if it's not closer to Shiism, at least kind of more open or more understanding of it, then, yeah. you know, I think you're, you're going to get like kind of the, the rewards of that for the rest of your life. Um, like I know I've been talking for a long time, but one, just one, like one final story that comes to mind is um, in my sophomore year, um, like the Islamic center at NYU runs majlises every year um, uh -huh. during Muharram. Um, so Sheikh Fayaz, he reads the majlises. And I remember in my sophomore okay. year, this is when everything was still in person. Um, there was a Sunni student and he was like kind of sitting in the lounge like outside of the hall and because um, that's like kind of where a lot of Muslim students gather and I just like kind of uh -huh. invited him in. I was like, do you want to come? There's a majlis going on and he's like, I've never been to one. Like, can I come in? Because he didn't know if he was allowed in or not. I was like, yeah, of course. So, you know, he came to the majlis and, you know, afterwards I was just talking to him and he was just like very, very like shocked. He's like, I feel like I've been, you know, engaging in spirituality in two dimensions my whole life and, you know, this much less over the last hour just opened up like a third dimension that I'd never seen before. And I was like, that's like the most profound thing someone yeah, could ever say. So cool. 
yeah, like, you know, even if it's not going to like lead to him, you know, reading more about Shiism or something, like at least he was able to have that realization and reflection and, you know, hopefully he would um, kind of be more open to like advocating for Shia voices and things like that. So, you know, yeah. like any, any sort of effort you do will always have an impact, even if it's just within someone's heart. Um, you know, like it might not always be something that you see. That's like such an important point. So yeah, thank you so much for walking us through um, your whole journey with the MSA and now being president and everything. I have one side question actually, before we keep going. Yeah, sure. um, like, how do you keep up the energy in online programs? I know you said you shift more towards social programs, but even those, it's it's really difficult to like keep people involved on Zoom. So yeah, I don't know, just... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is very tough. Um, you know, I think like elections for this position happened before the pandemic last year, or maybe right around mm -hmm. the time of the pandemic. And you know, nobody would have imagined that we'd be home the whole year. Um, yeah. but, you know, I think, like that that just presents another challenge for you, right? And it gives you another opportunity for you to step up. And you know, if you're someone that can bring together people at a time when everyone is hurting and you know, people are getting sick, people are dying, like that can you know be really helpful for a lot of people. And you know, I hope we were able mm -hmm. to do that this year. I mean, I don't think I can speak for anyone else, but, you know, I think um, keeping them energy is tough, right? Like everyone has things going yeah. on. You know, I obviously have like a lot of things with school, professional stuff, right. like personal life. So, you know, I think um, it's important to just like apportion your time to, to different things. So, you know, I, I'm someone that tends to sleep pretty late. So a lot of times, a lot of the work I'll do for MSA will be late at night, um, mm -hmm. you know, or just kind of like in, in between pockets that I'll have between class or something, I'll try to get things done. Um, okay. You know, and I think yeah. if you're like, if you're leading an organization like the MSA, then, you know, the kind of the direction that the whole organization takes will inevitably fall on, on your shoulders as the president. Um, mm -hmm. So I think like, you know, I just really took it on myself to keep my board motivated and, you know, just make sure I kept telling them, you know, like, let's meet regularly. Let's make sure we're still doing programming. Um, you know, okay. even if we had to cut down on cut down on the number of programs um, just to, you know, keep attendance stable and, you know, make sure people don't get burnt out. And we did that, um, mm -hmm. especially this semester with um, like a lot of things opening up and the weather getting nicer, like nobody wants to be stuck on Zoom. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're we, we cut down the number of programs we had, but made them a little bit more intentional. And, you know, I think okay. if you're yeah. if you're in that position to lead the group, then you have to make sure you're personally motivated and, you know, your motivation will rub off on, you know, kind of your board and, and eventually on the, on the broader community. So while attendance mm -hmm. like did take a little bit of a hit this year, I think it's important to like not let that discourage you, you know, like even if you're have like half of the people that you would have in compared to an in-person event, if those people that came, you know, still benefited and took something out of it. And, you know, a lot of kids told us that um, especially like we're electing the board for next year and, you know, in their applications, kids have been writing things like, you know, this year as a freshman student, you know, felt very isolated, but being able to come to events to the MSA was something that was like a highlight of my semester. You know, that, yeah. that's something that shows that like what you do is actually impacting people. Um, so, you know, I think that also gives you motivation, like when you hear positive feedback. So, um, you know, different things like keeping yourself personally motivated and making sure you're still, you know, allotting a certain amount of time every week to it. And, you know, just mm -hmm. making sure you're still getting feedback from people and constantly improving or, um, just like making sure that what you're doing is still helping people. Thanks for that. So it's just like consistent and being intentional, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, we have just a few minutes left, but I want to, uh, if you could yeah. quickly touch on um, the link between um, religion and, and what you're pursuing. So perhaps um, I know you mentioned that you're passionate about increasing financial literacy in the Shia community. So why is it, 
so important to specifically in in this community? What do you think this community has to benefit from that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like uh, part of just like a broader conversation on um, kind of how we can, uh, I don't want to use the word modernize, because I think that has a lot of negative connotations to it, um, but how we can just make sure that our community is very well equipped, you know, kind of in the society that we live in. Um, so, you know, within the broader Muslim sphere, like I think being honest, uh, our community can tend to, you know, fall behind on different things, whether it's just like um, being very organized with like kind of nationwide initiatives or um, even just like our presence in like higher institutions. Um, so mm -hmm. I think like, you know, this is just one element of that. Um, you know, I've just noticed growing mm -hmm. up that um, like the share community in general um, kind of has like a, a lack of awareness on, even if it's like personal financial literacy, but also like as a community, you know, like if a, a masjid, for example, is fundraising like event to event or program to program, like that's not a very sustainable mm -hmm. model um, versus like if a masjid kind of had like a constant income stream or kind of some like program to have like long lasting initiatives you know i think that's something that is a lot more sustainable so you know i think this this passion of mine is something that's like very early stage um mm. like as you know just like a, a 20 year old college student there hasn't been a whole lot that i could i kind of do to be to bridge that gap but i definitely see it as like a very um, important need with, within our community and especially as you know the world around us just gets so much more complex and you know mm -hmm. for example with the stock market there's like a billion different things that you can trade on like different financial instruments, different like asset classes and things like that. So, you know, it's important one as a community to know what's permissible and what isn't. Cause you know, if you're right. building a community of people that's built on, you know, money that was made from Haram investments, like that's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. um, so I think like that's one thing that um, is a, is a big pain point. And then um, another thing is just making sure that like everyone is kind of taking advantage of the system of the systems around them. So, you know, if, we get increased literacy on, you know, what is a retirement account? Why is it important to have one? You know, what is a Roth IRA? Things like that. Things that people can actually um, kind of develop their own personal finance skills and also hopefully like, uplift others around them. Um, so that's something that I think is like very important. And, you know, I see that as a need and hopefully, you know, as I kind of progress in my business career, I'm, you know, going to start off in the corporate world, but hopefully one day I'm kind of be able to build something or be a part of some institution where I can help um, to, to increase this awareness and literacy and hopefully, you know, bring our, like our community has so much potential and, you know, alhamdulillah, mm -hmm. we have so many numbers in America, especially in big cities. Like there is absolutely no reason why, like, especially this next generation of people that were born and raised here, like can't be people that actually control institutions. You know, like we have so many people, smart and smart and talented people in our community that, you know, have the potential to just reach the highest of whatever fields they're going into. And, you know, you're seeing that already, mm -hmm. but I think like, you know, if we're able to kind of organize our communities effectively, like from a financial perspective and, you know, be able to, whether it's like, you know, creating a, a permanent endowment for a masjid or you know, creating an organization that will help, um, like with microfinance for people in the U.S. that are struggling with it in our community, then, you know, I think that that could go so, for, so far and just helping our community be better equipped um, kind of going forward. And hopefully, you know, I'll be able to kind of pick up some tools, you know, working in business in the next couple of years and, you know, and the, throughout my career to be able to help with that. Yes, inshallah. Um, so what is, uh, we are unfortunately almost like over time, but that's okay. This has been a great show. What is your final piece of advice for our audience? Yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, for, for young students, whether you're high school or college, I think um, kind of the most important thing is to make sure you're always putting yourself out there. So whether it's, you're a high school student and you just want to, you know, get to know different things you're interested in, like make sure you're 
taking advantage of the resources you have, whether it's in the masjid, talking to as many people as you can. Um, if you have like family members in a certain business or can get some experience, like that's great. And you should definitely take advantage of that. And, you know, if you're in college, making sure you're taking advantage of all the resources, like most colleges will have a career center, a job yeah. network, you know, different clubs on campus. Um, so that's like from a professional sense, I think, you know, putting yourself out there and making sure you're always doing your due diligence is important. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think kind of from the religious sense too, something that I think is even more important than the professional sense is making sure that whatever you do, you're sticking true to your values um, at the same time. So, you know, you never want to be in a position where you have to have a trade-off between, you know, like work and religion. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think something that I found is that if you're um, like very confident in your beliefs and, you know, the way you live your life, then for the most part, people will respect that like a lot. Um, so, you know, an example of that is um, like, as I'm sure, you know, like in, in college, a lot of the times, like in whether it's in different clubs or other activities, like there's like a big drinking culture or like mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are just like, you know, engaged in those activities. And um, I remember joining a club in college and, you know, some upperclassmen asking about that just after one of our meetings. And I was like, you know, that's not something I do um, according to my religious beliefs. And, you know, at first they were kind of curious because they're like, oh, I've had xyz muslim friend who drinks and things like that and i'm like you know first of all mm. muslims are not a monolith like we're not all the same yeah. um, and second of all like i think it's something that is like a it's a very clear um value of mine and you know i, I would never violate that and, you know if you just show you're confident then people will accept that and, you know he actually told me himself right. he's like i have a lot more respect for you now that like i know that and you that you you have something that you like are able to hold on to you know um mm. So I think like that's really important. Um, it's like very scary. Like I, I know that um, like if you, for example, if you're doing an internship and it's it's time to pray, um, it can be very, it can be like a very scary thing to ask your coworker, like, is it all right if I use that conference room to pray? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I remember I did that in my internship in sophomore year and like my heart was beating like really fast for like 20 minutes before I finally asked. I was like, is it all right if I use the conference room to pray? And he's just like, yeah, no, of course, go for it. You know, like it, it seems yeah. like so much scarier in your brain than it actually is. You know, um, and people will like tend to have a lot more respect to you because of that. And if they don't, then, you know, they're probably not people you want to be around to begin with. Um, so I think like, you know, make sure you're always putting yourself out there, but you never want to like put yourself in a position where you're compromising something you believe in. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is great advice. Um, yeah. And thank you so much for coming on the show, uh, sharing your story. I think it really I'm sure it really helps a lot of people. Um, kind of think more about what they want to do and how they want to go about it with, you know, keeping their values in mind. So thank you. Yeah, no, of course, I'm happy to be here. And if anyone you know has any questions, feel free to reach out. I think my email is in the, mm -hmm. the little banner going yeah. underneath the video. So I'm definitely here to help whether you are, you know, a business student or just any, you know, high school, college student looking for advice. I'm always here to help out again. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to the You Mentor Talk show um, and tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. again for the first in our uh, Ramadan series of shows, which will be focused around uh, organizations and individuals who are raising important issues uh, surrounding community action in our Shia community. So uh, we will hope you will tune in for that. And also remember, you can always catch our previous episodes on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So we will. We hope you will do that. And this podcast will also be up on those platforms um, later today. Moja Outreach Foundation, uniting and empowering the Shia community.